was the final weekend before the holiday break with the OHL and the London Knights as we get to episode 21 of Night Shift. Kyle Gamard, Mike Stubbs, your hosts, where you can follow us along on social media at Stubbs982Bs and at Kyle Grimard, G-R-I-M-A-R-D. You can listen to Night Shift, all of our previous podcasts on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, globalnews.ca. It's also shared up with 980CFPL. And the Knights play their final two home games before their holiday break and return on the 28th of December. We've also got some information involving games three and four against Flint. We'll have a special guest joining the show today and talk some news about some former London Knights, including, of course, Bo Horvat. And, you know, Mike, this is uh, the final two games before the break here, both at home. Knights have won nine of their last 10 games. It's been Smooth sailing for this team for the most part. It has. 14 out of 16 games have been wins recently for the London Knights. And their next game comes up against the Owen Sound attack. And you can almost look back to the game against Owen Sound that took place on November the 5th and say, that's where all of this started. That's where the Knights really hit a groove because that was where Brett Brochu found a new level to his game, made 30 saves that night, 4-1 victory, and really made some big saves. And Kyle, you mentioned it on episode 20 of Night Shift, Brett Brochu's numbers, how good they have been recently. That's that area that we're talking about from that game until now. So big, big game against Owen Sound, big, big game against Flint. I think what junior hockey fans sometimes need to realize going into this weekend is how difficult these last games are to play. And here's why. We like to think of these guys as teams, hockey players. We might mention their ages from time to time, but think back. When you were 16, when you were 17, when you were 18, I don't care what age, you get excited about the holidays and any holiday break, whether it's the end of school, but think about it, 10 days off, and you are ready for that. But first, you've got to play two tough hockey games so it's a matter of finding a way to grind for just two more games and then you get that break there's a reason that in school teachers plan absolutely nothing for the last day before the holiday break or the last day of school it's because it's hard for everybody to pay attention well in this case you have no choice you got to pay attention you got to grind you got to keep going, especially two games and where the Knights sit right now, too, Mike. Uh, they actually are in a very fortuitous situation. They're three games. They've got three games in hand on the Saginaw Spirit, who are first place in the Western Conference and are only three points behind. And like you said, that game back on November the 5th started a trend for the London Knights. You said 14 of 16. That rattled off four straight victories and 12 of their next 13, including wins against, well, the team they end this two-game weekend with the Flint Firebirds. They had their most recent games against them were a home-and-home home where they were into Flint and back home to London. Between the two games, Mike, 21 goals <laughs> scored. So both games, very high-scoring affairs, each team scoring at least six goals in the win, which is rather impressive. And I'm wondering if we're going to see that continue or 
Maybe it's going to be a little bit of an adjustment. The Knights goaltending, like you said, Brett Brochu, an under two goals against average since that November 5th game, a 943 save percentage during that time. Zach Bowen has won four straight games as well. I mean, there's there's a lot of positive things to look at with this team going into these last two games. There really, really is. And as we go into these last two games, and we'll get into this in just a little bit, there are teams starting to make real moves to say... We're going for it. And there are other teams saying we're thinking about the future. And this is the time of year when it happens. And Flint's a big question mark right now. I think you could throw the Knights in as a question mark because neither team has really done anything that says, here's a statement. Here's what lets you know how we're feeling, what we're doing. In the Knights case, and we'll discuss it later on in the podcast, but in the Knights case, you could almost say, hey, if they do nothing, they've still proven they can run with anybody in this league. And right now, there isn't a juggernaut. Will that change after we get toward January 10th and the OHL trade deadline? The Sarnia Sting have made a great big move in acquiring Christian Cairo, who has family now living in Kamoka and who is a draft pick of the Dallas stars. They get him from the Erie Otters. Sarnia is going for it. They may have more 2003 star players on their team than any other club in the OHL. So you want to see what everybody else is doing, but if you feel you can run with them, sometimes you'll just stand pat and we'll see what the Knights end up doing. But as far as the Flint Firebirds go, this is a team that, is almost a lot like the Owen Sound attack when you look at them because they get good goaltending. Will Cranley for Flint is a draft pick of the St. Louis Blues. And then you look at Nick Chenard and how good he's been for the Owen Sound attack. You have a defense core that's very versatile. You've got players for Flint. You've got Tyler DeLine who can rush the puck and play offense. And you've got Sam Sedley for Owen Sound, rush the puck, play offense. And then you've got dynamic forwards on both sides that make them feel very, very dangerous. And they're almost mirror images. So if there is one thing that the Knights can at least, I guess, know going into this weekend it's that you're playing two teams who are very very similar so you're going to get similar games it's not like you're thinking okay this team just protects the net or this team will try and play completely wide open all the time flint and owen sound are pretty similar clubs and so the game plan can probably be pretty similar going into each game which should make it a little easier that that's like being back in school and saying okay we're only going to have uh, history class for the next two days until the break. Well, and, and that was the thing. I was actually going to bring that up, Mike. It does make it obviously easier on the coaching staff, but as a player, right? Like you, you follow along with what the coaching staff says. And yes, like when you play two games in two nights and one team plays a defensive system and then the other team plays an offensive system, you've got to remind yourself over and over again as a player to shift the way that you play. Because it gets really comfortable, especially if the game plan in the first game works effectively. You're going into the next contest going, I'm going to do exactly what I did last game. But that's not the case if the teams play different styles. But because Owen Sound and Flint play very similar styles, as a player, especially if you execute well the first night, you go in with a little bit more swagger. You go in with the same game plan. And now you have more confidence to execute the game plan. It makes things a whole lot easier on the players, which, that's, which thus makes things easier on the coaching staff. 
The on-sound attack boasts a lot of offensive firepower. Colby Barlow continues to be somebody to watch. He's only 17. Uh-huh. He is their captain, and he's somebody that certainly is going to continue to score a lot of goals. He scored over 30 last year, and then this year he is leading them in scoring, and Kylie already has 20 goals on the season in 26 games. So he's on pace for 50 plus this year. And then Denny Gore is a scary guy. Cedric Gandon is a scary guy. They've got Matthew Pappas, who they picked up in a trade from Niagara, Servak Petrovsky. So they've got a lot of firepower. Owen Sound, I look at them and say, wow, they're in sixth place. How? How are they in sixth place? How is this happening? Because they definitely have the pieces. I think the thing is for them, they're still a little early. Last year, they showed that, wow, they've got a core that's going to be together for a couple of years. Next year, I think, is going to be their year. So they're still a little early on this, but they're always a dangerous team. It's funny, Mike, because you say these names, and and Kobe Barlow was a rookie last year, but you went through – uh, you know, uh, Servak Petrovsky and Matthew Pot. It feels like these guys have been around for three or four years on this team, but it, it hasn't been that long. Uh, Nick Chenard, another guy who I feel like has been their goaltender for the last three or four years, but, you know, he's putting up respectable numbers this year as well. Six, four, big goaltender, very tough to beat down low as well. And yeah, like they're just, you can slowly see the incline of this team. And like you said, Colby Barlow last year scored 30 goals. He's already at the 20 goal threshold. He is a very dangerous player. And you cannot look past a team like Owen Sound because they will make you pay for it. Definitely. So Owen Sound tonight, Flint tomorrow. And then the Knights are off until the 28th when they take on the Erie Otters. That'll be their sixth consecutive home game let's take a second and get in depth on the flint firebirds jack snevice is their play-by-play broadcaster and joins us now jack you've just finished up part of maybe what has become one of the biggest rivalries in the ohl that doesn't date back to 1979 flint versus saginaw what's the rivalry like well, it certainly escalated a bit more last year when, you know, during the the whole COVID situation in the league, it was every weekend, Flint and Saginaw twice uh, twice a weekend for January and February, basically, it felt like. Joey and I always joked about, Joey Botano always joked about, you know, it'll be great to not see you this weekend, even though we were good <laughs> friends away from the rink. But yeah, it's become bitter. And, you know, even speaking to some of the young guys with the Firebirds, they've been informed right away. They say that, you know, fans come up to them all the time and say, hey, no matter what, just make sure you beat Saginaw. So it's certainly a big rivalry, one the fan base I, I know is a little disappointed in the outcome last night. But it's certainly, you know, fun to see. And with and two big games before the New Year's, uh, I think uh, the day before New Year's Eve and New Year's Eve, a home and home, which should be a great atmosphere. Both fan bases are great. Both love both teams, the passion, the energy, all of it. So like you said, it's certainly to me one of the better rivalries in the OHL. Jack, what's been your overview on Flint's first half of the season so far? Currently sixth in the in the Western Conference, but they're they're right there. They're tied with Owen Sound. They're just a point out of fourth. They're just three points out of third. Uh, what have you seen from them that you've liked so far this year? It's it's kind of eerily similar to last year's start, where they didn't really they they didn't go on any winning or losing streaks. It was either win one, lose two, win two, lose one, and so on and so forth. And that's kind of been the same thing. They've won 
three games in a row one time. They haven't lost more than back-to-back, so it's just kind of, they're just hanging in there. They're getting the young guys' experience. I really like what they've done with the defensive group. They added Artem Guriev and Blake Smith, add a little bit of meanness uh, and good shutdown defensemen to the blue line. The young guys are starting to take a leap. Amadeus Lombardi, of course, has become one of the better playmakers in the OHL. So it's 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 a weird feeling knowing they're on this two-game skid here. Uh, I know illness has really taken a toll on the locker room here these last couple of weeks. It's been the flu. It's been strep throat. You name it. I know four key guys were out last night. So it's just, it's just, they're struggling to really get going and take off. But I think after the holiday break, kind of similar to last year, you might see the same kind of rise of the Firebirds in January and February. And look at the run they went on in the playoffs and how far they pushed the Windsor Spitfires in the playoffs last year. Jack, how about where this team might be positioned? Because we're starting to look at teams like the Sarnia Sting who are saying, yeah, we're going for it. What do you think Flint has in mind? Would it be look at the young guys and and really think toward next year? Or would it be try and load up for a second half run? You know, it might kind of sound like a cop-out, but I really think it's going to be a little of both. I don't think they're really looking at, you know, and this is just me guessing, any high-end kind of, you know, one more year NHL drafted guys who are going to be gone next year. I think they're more trying to build both now and for the future, Rather, whether there's a couple of 04s out there who might get moved or something. But I, I don't think they're saying no to anything. I think it's pretty open-minded around here, knowing that, like you guys said, they're kind of right there, but they're also not. So it's certainly, especially in the West Division, the logjam that is the top four of Saginaw, Windsor, Sarnia, and Flint. It's kind of going to be interesting. And I don't want to say it comes down to the five games here before New Year's, but obviously you come back from the holiday, you come back from New Year's, and all of a sudden the trade deadline is upon you. So they, they certainly have some decisions to make, but I don't anticipate a full-on sell-off of any kind. I think they're certainly thinking, okay, you know, get in, Got a competitive group here who made a run last year and and certainly hope for more of the same this year. And one of those final games, Flint in London to take on the Knights. The last two games was a home-and-home, Jack. 21 total goals between the two teams for those two games. Are you expecting another high-scoring affair? Do you think they're going to come at it on a different angle and try to shut things down a little bit more? What are you expecting from Saturday's contest? Well, I I know both these teams don't want to play games like that, right? So it's certainly, (laughs) you'd like to think it's it's more in the 3-2 range. Um, Obviously, you know, that back-to-back, there's a little bit of nastiness in the second game. So you wonder if that carries over at all. But certainly you look at a team like London, who's probably the hottest team in the OHL right now. The Firebirds are definitely going to know that going in. It's their last game before the holiday break. So they're going to have to give it their all. I don't I don't think we're going to see any more 7-4, 6-5 kind of games. I think it'll be a little bit more low scoring. But I do love when London and Flint play each other because it seems like both this year and last year, every single game is coming down to the third period or overtime for the most part. And it, and it makes it more fun when those games are competitive. It's two of the better you know teams in the West the last couple of years. So certainly looking forward to another great matchup on Saturday. And they make for exciting hockey. Both teams will come at you, especially Flint. They will come at you. Can't wait. Jack, thank you for being here right now. And have a safe trip and have a great holiday. Appreciate the time, guys. Thanks a lot. Have a happy holidays. That is Jack Snevice, who is the play-by-play broadcaster for the Flint Firebirds. London and Flint meeting on Saturday afternoon. Be a fan, bring a can. Don't forget that Owen Sound on Friday and Flint on Saturday are also be a fan 
bring a can. So if you're headed to either one, make sure you bring along a non-perishable item. Doesn't have to be food. Certainly personal hygiene items are big at this time of year, but that helps out Wayne Dunn and the Business Cares Food Drive. So be a fan, bring a can, and there will be people just inside the door once you get into Budweiser Gardens, and they will accept any donations. They can be cash donations as well. So always a great part of the end of this part of the schedule and into the holiday break, which for the London Knights, it's 10 days total, but Kyle, they'll probably come back one day early and get to practice and get set for the Erie Otters. And by then, the trade freeze that is about to go into place will be lifted, and it's a sprint until January 10th. And we have an opportunity to look at who's in, who's out, who's probably in, who's probably looking ahead, and who's undecided but still very interesting. Those are the categories that we've broken the teams up in. It sounds like there are 75 teams in the OHL and you've got five categories. <laughs> there are still only 20, right? I mean, th that's what it sounds like. But yeah, like there's so much movement. And this is this is one of my favorite parts about the OHL is the fact that there is so much parity in the league where one team, one team can be all in. Then the next year, a team is uh, we're at we're going to we're going to sell the farm and, and move forward. And the trades are amazing, too, because you've got six draft picks. Uh, aligned in, in, in terms of acquiring a player. We've already brought up a couple teams. We mentioned Sarnia, all in. They've made their big moves. Uh, North Bay, probably another team. Uh, we're going to assume Ottawa, considering the fact that they have the best win percentage in the Ontario Hockey League. Teams that you think are out, Mike. Niagara's one, just based on the way that the regular season has gone. What other teams do you think are are on that out meter? I think we can look at Guelph. They've made a couple of moves that have said, okay, we wanted to stabilize on defense, but they're, they're still a strange team because you could look at their roster and say, this club, this club could be big. But I think the acquisition of Max Nemesnikov really sealed that, and especially how well he is playing. Now, you've got Danny Zilkin, who is a 2003-born player, so he would be an overager next year. It'll depend what happens with Danny Zilkin because it's probably a good bet that he is going to be playing professional hockey next year, whereas Max Nemesnikov still has another year beyond that. But Nemesnikov's a guy that you can build around as a 19-year-old. I, I wonder about Guelph. They haven't really hit that stride yet. I still think they'll be looking toward next year before all is said and done. The Erie Otters in moving Christian Cairo, they played their hand. That just means you are looking toward the future. They had already traded Connor Lockhart. They've had some really good flashes this year. So Erie could be turning themselves into a, a better team as we move forward and continuing to grow with some of their players born in 2004 and 2005. And then I wonder, Mississauga is going to be fascinating to watch because at the beginning of the year, they were a team that was winning a lot of games. I wonder, they've traded Zachary Lavoie to Niagara. I wonder if there are more moves out of Mississauga to come. They're one that I'm watching in that way, where they may say, look, we may not have what it takes to be a true contender, so let's find a way to do that. So I'm watching Mississauga closely. As far as teams looking ahead, Kyle, I – Still think Owen Sound is looking at next year. I still think Saginaw with Michael Misa is looking at next year because I think Saginaw, I don't know if there's a favorite yet to host the Memorial Cup, 
but I think Saginaw should be there based on the quality of their team, what that city and organization can offer. They've done such a great job. The ownership group is incredible under Dick Garber. Craig Goslin has been a phenomenal executive in the OHL. I think Saginaw deserves the Memorial Cup. If I'm going to cheer for a team to host, I'm going to cheer that the Saginaw spirit hosted because I think they could do a great job. Their facility has what you would need where, yes, there is the hockey rink part of it, but there's also a convention center part of it that is attached to it. I think they could do a really good job there as hosts. And so I think Saginaw will be thinking toward next year. Hamilton just won the OHL championship. They're thinking toward next year. Oshawa wants to bid for the Memorial Cup. And Sault Ste. Marie wants to bid for the Memorial Cup. They will look toward next year. I think Sudbury still has forwards who are too young. And I think Barry has looked and said, look, we we don't have what it takes to, to be among the elite. So I think you might be seeing them look forward. And then, Kyle, that leaves us with a couple of teams. We've talked about Flint. We've talked a bit about London. But you've got Windsor and, and you've got Kingston. How fascinating is Kingston, given the fact that Shane Wright could still wind up with the Frontenacs? <laughs> and they're still third right now in the Eastern Conference. They're 15-12-1, they're or 15-12-2, sorry. They have 32 points on the year. They're only a point up on Barry, who have two games in hand on them. But despite the fact that, yeah, you know, Shane Wright was selected, there was a lot of question marks after playing his first game where he sat for a while and now he's being loaned to the world juniors for team Canada. And there, there still is that potential that he gets sent back to the Kings and Frontenacs. And imagine the addition of getting a player like Shane Wright after already sitting in third right now, the boost that team would get would be absolutely remarkable. And honestly, that I think, I think that should have been done right at the beginning of the year. We talked about it on earlier podcast episodes as well. Mitch Marner, fourth overall selection, looked really good in Leafs camp, has all this offensive talent, gets sent back to London. What does he do? Puts up one of the greatest seasons in London Knights history. They win the OHL Championship, the Memorial Cup. Then he goes into Toronto the next season, puts up 60-plus points in his first season as a member of the Leafs, and the rest is history with everything that he has done so far this season with the Leafs, too. Just because you're a top five pick doesn't mean that you have to stick in the NHL. And a lot of teams, I think, force it sometimes. And even though Shane Wright's played some games, he's tried it out. He's played some AHL games. He's looked good. He's going to go to the World Juniors. He's probably going to look good there. I don't think it's the worst thing for him to go back to Kingston. Nope, because I think that would give Kingston an opportunity to look around and say, okay, do we want to add some people quickly and try and make a second half run? Or does he maybe bring one of the biggest returns in all of the OHL's history in terms of trades. We'll find wow. out. That could okay. happen too. Kyle, that does it for this week. We will recap the weekend and get set to tell some World Junior stories. All the best. All the best, Mike. Thanks. Go Knights, go. Go Knights, go.